0: What difference can one person make in a global pandemic?
1: As bizarre as it sounds, I get tears in my eyes, to this day, talking about it, because I can't imagine being more fortunate than to have a business that blends passion for a product and for Washington State with giving back and with helping others.
0: We're living in uncertain times, surrounded by chaos, fear, even outrage, But a new world is emerging, putting forth beams of hope, healing, community, and recovery. Welcome to Luminaries in the Dark, hopeful stories about people pivoting their life and their work to rise above chaos and help those in need. I'm your host, Bruce Bracken. As most of us continue practicing our stay-at-home efforts, many are looking for ways to remain connected to our loved ones, especially those who are older and at risk. Today we are joined by Teresa Spellman Gamble, co-owner of Tint Sellers, and talk with her about their new initiative to send handwritten messages of hope and kindness to those who are feeling isolated and lonely. All you need is paper and pen, and you too can send love letters to the elderly. Teresa, welcome to Luminaries in the Dark. Really appreciate you taking the time to join us. I think a lot of people might know you locally for all of the work you've done for our communities, I'm sure many others will recognize you for co-founding your winery, Tint Cellars. But more recently, some people will know you through your creation of a very special letter drive. But before we dive into all of that, tell us a bit about yourself and your focus on community.
1: Thanks, Bruce. I really appreciate your having me today. My husband Tim and I are longtime Seattle area residents, born and raised here with long family ties to the Puget Sound area and the state. And I grew up in Northeast Seattle with five siblings and went to earn a few degrees from the UW and which led to a long career at the University of Washington. And Tim was raised in the area and studied business at the U. And funny story, when we introduced our parents after we'd been dating a few months we might as well have left them to chat for a couple of days. It turned out that our dads had gone to high school together and had their <laughs> nose broken by the same guy boxing in PE class. Wow. Those were the days. Uh-huh. <laughs> I know. So when I was an executive at UW Medicine Health System, Tim was president and CEO of a probiotic manufacturer, Nutraceutics, which we owned and eventually sold to a company in Sweden. And we decided at that time to pivot and do something different with the next chapter of our professional lives. And the transition from growing bacteria to making wine was just a natural one. And as Tim likes to say, it's channeling nature, whether you're growing bacteria to produce probiotics or fermenting wine, it's really just channeling what's already there in nature to create a product. And guided on its path to our bodies right so the first wine that we ever made from scratch before owning tint cellars was called serendipity and that was kind of named in large part because it was really by chance that the wine turned out very well and it took us 4 years to create 25 cases and now fast forward we're the owners of tint cellars we employ two winemakers we make about 4000 cases of wine each year from washington grapes and in fact, we recently won our first awards, four golds and two silver
0: awards. Hey, congratulations.
1: Thank you. That's at, fantastic. Yeah. At the Seattle Wine Awards, it's a blind competition, so we feel that that's legit, right? It's 16 individuals tasting the wine, you know, voting on it. So I guess we're on the right track. Fantastic. What's even more fun to talk about is the reason that we created a philanthropic mission and I love to tell this story because I love to talk about my parents, but really the reason that we have a philanthropic business model goes back way to the day when I was, you know, 18 or 19 years old. And my dad asked all of the kids around the Sunday dinner table, I have five siblings. If you had all the money in the world, but you had to continue working, what would you do? And that was a tough question for me, for whatever reason, my dad and siblings quickly had an answer. Everybody was able to go around the table and answer it. And I literally spent months thinking of an answer. What what was I passionate about? What did I want to do? And eventually I went back to my dad and I had landed on a business plan where I would have a business focused on selling local arts and goods that would award annual revenue to a different nonprofit each year. And that's what we did some decades later when we created Tint Cellars. So we donate a portion of all of our wine sales every year to a select number of nonprofits. And it's kind of amazing to me that that is really reminiscent of what I decided I would do if I could choose my path when I was 18.
0: You know that's really special, and it's it's interesting that it took you a while to come up with the concept. But I think that really lends itself to how important it was to you, and the fact that it kind of stuck with you after all those years. Is that something that you kept in the back of your mind through the years until you developed and founded uh, Tint Sellers?
1: It sounds so weird to say, but yes. Did I share it with everyone I met? Absolutely not. They'd think I was crazy. But Anytime I talked about, you know, oh, well, what if, what would you do? Oh, when I, you know, this is what I would do. This is what I thought about. Because the blending of my passion with helping others, to me, there's no better feeling. And as bizarre as it sounds, I get tears in my eyes to this day talking about it. Because I can't imagine being more fortunate than to have a business that blends passion for a product and for Washington state in particular with giving back and with helping others.
0: Not a lot of people get to do that. And it's really great to see you fulfill that. And I I know a bit about your history with the community drives, your focus on community. Was giving back to the community something that was passed on to you by your parents? Or was it something that you kind of saw as you were growing up as something really special and impactful to you?
1: Yes. Tim's parents were incredibly hard workers. They were known for standing up for the underdogs and those less fortunate. And frankly, I think that's one of the reasons Tim and I hit it off the the first day we met. But I had a somewhat unique upbringing as the daughter of former King County Executive and Washington State Governor John Spellman. So growing up in the public eye with a father in public service, really opened my eyes to the disparities in society and the need to work towards a better future for all. And my dear mother furthered kind of that learning and insight as she did things like put the staff of the governor's mansion on state benefits. Can you believe they were hourly employees who didn't receive state benefits prior to 1981? Kind of amazing to me, but you know, she made history for her works to boost food banks statewide and insisting that only Washington wine be served at events held in the Capitol and the Governor's mansion, which, looking back, it makes perfect sense, right? This is our state, Washington, and that is the the highest governing office in Washington state. But why would you be serving wines from California at all of your events? So in any case, Community, volunteerism, you know, giving back with time, treasure, and talent really formed the foundation of both Tim and my backgrounds, really our culture. So when we established Tint Cellars, it was essential that the winery reflect our values and really our desire to leave the world better than we found it.
0: And that's what I'm really impressed about. Well, actually, I'm impressed with the whole slew of things, but I know how important family is to you as well. Did that thinking, wanting to give back in that sort of way, were you influenced by your family, by your parents? Is that something that you felt you were kind of born into?
1: hundred percent. I mean, my family is very close. I think having spent the first 25 years of my life with a father in public office in our community, at that time, you know, things were very different. And I say public service, as I'm sure you've noticed, that's not politics. It's different you know, my father could have done many things. He was, you know, attorney and, and quite talented and brilliant, but he chose to devote his life to working to make this greater Puget Sound community better for future generations. He devoted his entire life. And if you had known him, you would know that. And my mother was his biggest cheerleader and fierce protector And she too was, was brilliant. Frankly, she should have, you know, gone to medical school and my gosh, she read medical journals for pleasure almost till the day she died. I was blessed with pausing my career at a time when I didn't know that would be kind of their final chapter. I mean, my parents were not young. They died at 90 and 91, but you know, as, as kids, sometimes you think you're, parents will live forever, even if they are in their nineties. And, you know, the end of life phase for for my parents and, and, and Tim's as well included assisted living, hospice, et cetera. And in the end, you know, it was serendipity, but my parents died rather unexpectedly nine days apart in 2018. And it's still pretty raw to be honest, thinking about the funeral for my parents and, and burying them together on the same day. But that's kind of the way it My parents were. They just, they were so strong. And it was so heartwarming to hear people talk about my father and my mother. And of course, it was big news in the press, especially when they died so close together. It was a gift in that you would hear all the impressions of our parents. In a way that others who don't have a family that's in the public eye go through the grief process. And I think it was such a gift for our children and our parents' grandchildren to hear about the impact that they had on this area. And one of the things that still rings so true today that I I wish was different in our world is my father was a Republican. And when he was in public office in the 60s and 70s and 80s, it was a very different time. And he didn't make decisions and vote on a party line. He made decisions based on what he felt was right by listening to people and by surrounding himself by the smartest, brilliant individuals. And he was shunned in the end by his quote unquote party because he refused to follow the party line in some certain landmark cases. And he was told very, very directly, if you do this, you will not have our support and you will not be reelected. And guess what? He wasn't, but he never lost sleep. He was proud of doing the right thing. And, you know, my parents taught us that and taught our kids that, and then the greater community continued to talk about that very publicly when they died together. And that was such a gift because I think you believe it more when other people say it, right? I think having that validation that, yeah, these people were rock stars in my mind, but also what was done for our community, So it just, you know, it, it makes one very proud and yes, absolutely. It's always, you know, WWDD, what would dad do? And we talk an awful lot about that um, sometimes in our household, especially during these current times. And all I can say is I have a very soft spot for any individual who is leading a city, a state, a country during these challenging times because there are no perfect humans and there are no perfect answers and i can say that republican or democrat it is a mess and my heart aches for the people who are in those positions i know that sounds strange but this is just unprecedented and you know i we can find fault in in everything that's being done or not being done but sometimes i just want to think about the people and how difficult it is to just do the right thing. With my father's role in county and state politics, my parents were just, you know, instrumental in our lives, but funny enough, they were instrumental in developing the state's wine industry from supporting vineyards and farmers in eastern Washington to making, you know, it a custom to feature Washington wines at events in the governor's mansion. It's all full circle, and I feel fortunate to to live in an area where my parents had such a tremendous impact.
0: It takes a strong person and a strong conviction to not follow solely along party lines, but instead do what's right.
1: Yep, absolutely. The two of them were just a team to be reckoned with, and they, they took it on. They really demonstrated by their actions, by their communication, just by how they lived their life that giving back and taking care of the people around you is the most important thing.
0: You know, the events that you hold at Tint Sellers now that now that you are established and you've won awards and are very popular, you know, the last time we talked, it sounded like the sorts of things that you established at Tint Sellers. The, the events that you held and hosted were really unique and really special. Can you talk a little bit about those?
1: it all stems back to why we're doing this. And we love wine and that's great. Wine is a a wonderful source of enjoyment, but we saw really the wine industry, the wine making industry as a fit for what we wanted to do. And that's resulted in kind of our grand motto or theme, which is great wine for the greater good. And so what that means is we want, to do good with our wine. We want to bring people together and give back to community. We want to find ways to get everyone to pause and think outside of themselves. Think about what is a simple thing that I can do for others. So that might be as simple as come join us for wine at Tint cellars and make a Valentine. You know, we bring people together. We'll have all of the paint or the paper or the stickers, whatever you want and you can create a Valentine and we will deliver them to patients at Seattle Children's Hospital. Or perhaps it's Halloween time and Mary's Place shelters are collecting costumes for the kids to be able to trick-or-treat. And they've had a huge influx of young kids residing in the shelters. And so we put the call out to our club members and customers and People show up, taste wine, and drop off Halloween costumes for those kids who are without homes. We've done a lot during COVID that's really brought some joy to many people. One of the fun things that we created was a program called Bottles for Bravery. And I was just looking for a way to really give folks a tool to say thank you, to recognize those who are on the front lines of the pandemic, or even behind the scenes in the pandemic, you know, whether that's, of course, the doctors and the nurses and the EMTs, but also what about the UPS driver? What about your U.S. Postal Service worker or that person at the grocery store who's there putting their life on the line? to allow you to be able to get your groceries. So we put together a program where we took nominations by email and individuals would send in a photo of their hero and why that individual was deserving of a bottle for bravery. And we awarded one a day for six weeks and recognized those individuals on social media and in our newsletters and, you know, just a a simple way for individuals in our community to be able to more publicly thank someone who's making a difference in their life.
0: You and your husband had founded 10 Cellars. You are well-established. You've won awards. Things are on a roll. Things are looking great. People love your wine. And then COVID hits. Talk to me a little bit about how COVID affected you personally, You know what you saw happening in the communities around you that, that you've lived among for so many years, and then also kind of what happened at Tint Sellers as well?
1: Well, I think like all of us, when COVID-19 hit, it seemed surreal, like we were living in a movie. And frankly, I still feel like that sometimes. The way I've described it is, I feel like we're under this massive pause button. It's almost like things are, we're in this strange world, but time just keeps going. Time flies by. But in any case, my siblings and I frequently chatted early on about what our dad may have done, how he may have led the state had he been in office. And it really gives a different perspective when you're thinking of things from that viewpoint of leadership. And frankly, you become far less critical of leadership when you've lived a life connected to that. But also in the last 20 years of my career, At the University of Washington, I was a healthcare executive, and I gained a lot of insight into infection control and healthcare quality, which drove me to focus on the data and the trends and the need to focus on safety, safety of our family, safety of our customers above all else. And I think from a business perspective, with the onset of COVID, our winery was considered by our state as an essential business, so we had to pivot and our management team, we were just quick to identify opportunities to continue meeting the needs of our club members and our customers. And for me, most importantly, continue to support our philanthropic efforts. You know, 10% of our sales is supporting Seattle Children's Crisis Care Clinic and Mary's Place and Northwest Harvest. And those missions are really critical every day and during a pandemic pandemic. When people are losing their jobs and their homes, it's just vital that they receive our support. So, on top of making sure our winery and winemaking continued production safely, we were quick to innovate and being one of the, if not the first, local winery to offer curbside service and home delivery and streaming live music. But as the phases began to shift and the opportunity for small scale, private, and socially distanced tastings became a reality, we slowly moved into that arena and, again, focused on the health and safety of our staff and our customers, instituting policies and procedures and cleanliness to really, again, as I said, protect folks. But it hearkened back on my days in medicine. And we, I think, have just been very pleased to be in a position to offer a much needed kind of brief respite from the trial we're all facing with opening up for socially distant tastings recently. And as I said, I think my background in healthcare really helped us as our focus was clear, the health and safety of our staff and our guests was number one and producing and selling wine to support nonprofits was number two. And that laser clear focus has really helped us keep perspective during such trying times.
0: How do you think you approached all of this differently than maybe other restaurants, wineries, establishments in promoting the health of everyone?
1: It's interesting because people come out and see us very socially distanced outside under a tent and they're like, wow, this is awesome. I mean, we're gaining club members as a result of what we're doing. We have chosen to follow every written and maybe even unwritten regulation. There was no regulation that said you cannot have live music. But we paid attention to the singing, and we all know about the choir in Washington State and how COVID spread through that group. I said to our team, it is irresponsible for us to have live singers. Let's have instrumental music. We can bring people together. We just don't need to have singing. Yes, many of the restaurants and wineries and bars in the area were choosing to do that. And I reached out weekly to the state and the county public health to just confirm that there wasn't any additional guidance. And we just kept doing what we felt was best, right? Focusing on what we thought was the best for our employees and staff. Fast forward to five days ago and live music is now prohibited. So we pivoted. So we're like, okay, we didn't have singing anyway, but okay, put our heads together, boom. Let's have game night. So we'll do, you know, trivia, crossword puzzles, you know, competitions that don't involve screaming, yelling, projecting that is not safe. So I think what we've chosen to do is just be calm make sure we, we have trained everyone, make sure that everyone feels comfortable. For the staff who don't feel comfortable working, it's fine. And take care of our customers. And I think, as I said, that laser clear focus, we want to protect the health and safety of our employees and customers, and we want to produce high quality wine, selling that to support our nonprofits.
0: So you've started opening up for the wine tastings. Is that indoors or just like out on a patio? And where are you guys located?
1: Well, we have two locations in Woodinville, Washington. We have our production winery, which includes a tasting room and outdoor socially distant tent, which is in the Woodinville Warehouse District off of 144. And then we also have a tasting room that is not open to the public. We're doing curbside and home delivery from our Hollywood Hill tasting room. And very exciting, we have a renovation in Georgetown underway. It was paused due to COVID, but it's moving along slowly. And we will be opening a tasting room and event facility, if we ever get to have events again, in the Georgetown neighborhood of Seattle that will open here late in 2020.
0: Oh, that sounds great. And I'm sure people, especially in this weather, the summer weather are wanting to get out. But for those who are still kind of shy about getting out and are staying home, you mentioned home delivery. How does that work for folks?
1: Well, first of all, we don't want anyone to feel uncomfortable, right? Enjoy wine in the comfort of your home, your backyard, whatever works best for you. So We do have home delivery. We started that the second week of June when we kind of saw the pandemic really taking off elsewhere and thought, okay, we need people to feel comfortable wherever they are. So place an order online or send us an email or give us a call. Let us know what you're interested in. And if you're within 20 miles of Woodenville, we will deliver it to your doorstep It's no secret that we're delivering a heck of a lot further than 20 miles, because depending upon where our employees work, we're delivering wine on the way home or on the weekend. I delivered a couple of cases in West Seattle this weekend, and we're just making it work for folks. The other thing that we've done, Bruce, is like for myself, I wouldn't necessarily want to go out wine tasting with a lot of people around, even if they were 10 feet away, so We have private wine tasting available Monday through Thursday. So you can make an appointment for your group of one to five family members, private tasting in the facility with one of our staff guiding you through the wines and everything that we do, whether it's for the open tasting by reservation or for the private tasting, everything is recyclable. So we are not using glassware because, you know, you wash glassware, then it has to be polished by hand. And so we have, you know, plastic wine glasses, nice high quality, but, you know, think poolside or beach. So take your wine glass with you. We pre-pour all of the wine tastings. Really, we're doing all of these things to just reduce the interaction, reduce the the time people are walking past one another. And it's really worked out well. So Folks can order wine online, they can call, have it delivered, they can pick it up curbside or come in in person.
0: I just had a brilliant idea wh- while you were talking. I have so many conversations with people who are pivoting in their own ways to take things that are physical and pivot into some sort of online or digital experience. So you mentioned wine tastings, which, you know, the ones that I've been to in the past are great in that you learn about the history of the winery history of the the specific wines, and then combine that with your home delivery, you could set up kind of an online wine tasting where you could have a group of people who all get at home wine deliveries, but then all log into your team's meeting, for example, and do the online presentation and everybody's at home sipping and tasting the wines at the same time.
1: Do you work for tint sellers? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, guess what, Bruce? We've got that and more.
0: <laughs> do you really? Yes, we
1: have, we do. We have that all ready to go. And then we move to phase 1.5. So we have in our toolbox little mini bottles, a flight of six, and set up um, Zoom call. You can do it with your five closest friends in five different homes. And we also have, we have a PTA that contacted us that wanted to do a wine tasting for their parents as a fundraiser. So we're going to have our two winemakers on a Zoom call with 50 different households leading a wine tasting. So one of the things I love about being in this industry is you can be so creative and we have such an amazing team at Tint Cellars and I think so much of our passion to really drive us to come up with creative ways to get wine in people's hands is a result of that focus on supporting community, right? We know that with every single bottle, every single glass we sell, every single tasting, a portion of that is going to support those in our community who need it the most.
0: Looking deeper at your focus and support of community, you put on a lot of really special events and and obviously it is important for you to keep in touch with the community and locals thinking about these sorts of things that you are doing for the community and the events and the programs that you are implementing. Let's talk a little bit now about your most recent program, Love Letters for Seniors. Tell me a little bit about what the program is and how it got started.
1: Well, I would love to do that. So when COVID started, it was pretty emotional for me. Our family was living together under one roof for the first time in two years, and I'd watched television and news reports of the families broken apart by the virus and would especially hit home were the photos of family members sitting outside nursing homes talking to their loved one who was inside. And that really struck home. And anyone who knows me know that I hold a very special place in my heart for senior citizens. And I'm sure you hear my voice trembling. I just, I saw those pictures and it struck a deep chord within me. The emotional and the physical suffering of the elderly and their family members had just a tremendous impact. And I think when the quarantines went into effect, Tim and I were just immediately aware of how difficult it would be for families and how lonely it would be for the elderly residents of these care facilities. Tim and I had lost all four of our parents over the past several years. And we were really lucky kids. Our parents were married for over 60 years each. And we were fortunate that our, our kids formed strong bonds with them. And you know, the end of life phases for our parents included stays in assisted living and nursing homes and hospice facilities. So it was still pretty raw. And when I left my career at the University of Washington was actually to first take a leave to help care for my ailing mother. So I Became very close to her angels, her caregivers, and the doctors and staff who helped transition her through the last phase of her life. And that raw emotion and the visuals of family members being torn apart by the virus was the impetus for creating the drive. In my family, my dad was quite the artist, and we always awed at you know his ability to draw little caricatures on a napkin at the table. And both my parents prioritized raising us with a sense of etiquette that included sending you know, handwritten or handmade thank you notes and cards. So one evening after watching the news and just, again, just being struck by the grief and the isolation, I was thinking, well, how how important it was to find a way to connect with all those folks who are alone in quarantine. And so my idea to send love letters to the elderly was was literally born by seeing those photos that I know we've all seen and it struck all of us in the Puget Sound region. So, you know, sending a handmade card, helping them get their minds outside of their of their everyday experience and think about better times.
0: Yeah. I remember seeing that on the news when COVID first hit. I remember seeing an, uh, the nursing home. Actually, it was a uh, ground zero here in Kirkland where one elderly person was standing outside. Their spouse was inside and they had their hands up to the window looking at each other and Touching hands through the window. And that was just such a heart wrenching moment that they just couldn't be physically, you know, with each other.
1: Exactly. That's exactly what I'm talking about. And I just was so excited about the idea of sharing love with those isolated folks. I frankly just looked up what senior center was near our winery and might be able to help facilitate getting cards and letters in the hands of those isolated folks. And I was lucky to just find North Shore Senior Center right away. And they, serve not only Woodenville, where our winery is, but Bothell, Kenmore, Mill Creek, Kirkland as well. And, you know, I, at a very odd hour of the night, dropped a note to the director at North Shore and asked him if they'd be interested in receiving notes to provide to their community members. And boom, we were onto something. You know, the fact is, our community is so generous and caring. And really, the greatest hurdle in all of this has been just to get the word out we started with our family and then asked her Tint seller staff and their family members to make notes and from there we just tried to spread the love and encourage others to participate and the media once they were aware of what we were trying to do was incredibly supportive and shared our love letters message widely i received calls from microsoft from american family insurance office from from a number of different businesses where they were looking for ways to give back. And it resonated from kids' parents saying, oh my gosh, I haven't talked to you in 20 years, but wow, I saw this newspaper article. Can you tell me how we can get involved? And it just took off like wildfire because I think, and as you can tell, because I just start going when I talk about this, not only does it make the recipient feel good, but it makes you feel good, right? I just, it makes us pause and just think about how bright another's life is by, by this small gesture. And can I tell the story?
0: Yeah, please.
1: You know, the feedback from recipients of the letters and the surrounding community has, has been overwhelmingly positive and gracious. And we've, you know, heard stories and we as a family have expanded the letter writing to include, you know, neighbors and church community, etc. And in fact. I had an experience that has made all of this so worthwhile. I sent a watercolor, my new art form that I'm learning, to a wonderful woman who I've known since I was quite young. Not, Not well, but always say hello. Just a lovely human who I'd see. She worked at the UPS store for decades. And she called me after receiving the card, and we had a lovely chat. We just talked about how we were feeling, how weird this all was, I updated her on my kids and it was just wonderful. And little did I know that would be the last time I would speak to her. And Margie died at 99 a few weeks later. In fact, I'm going to be able to send my my words of condolences to her family this week. And had we not started the Love Letters to the Elderly campaign, I wouldn't have reached out to her. And I wouldn't have the memory of not only brightening her day, but brightening my day. And it is so moving to know that just by happenstance, this thing that we've created at Tint Cellars, this passion for caring for people and trying to help others care for those around them sparked this little turn of events that this wonderful woman, who I have so many lovely memories of her bright smile and bright eyes, you know, through my childhood and career, always being there. And again, we didn't know each other well. She was just this lovely human who I was able to speak to one-on-one as a result of sending her that note, and that was my goodbye.
0: Yeah. And it shows that it it doesn't really take much to reach out to someone in a meaningful way and impact their lives. You know, it's such a special moment and gift that each of you give each other by making that connection
1: it really is the simple things that matter, right? And it's so beautiful to just be reminded of that through these things we are doing at Tint Cellars that, you know, we have the opportunity to help others do, right? It helps make this tough world a better place.
0: Are there other stories that you've discovered through this program that are similar to yours where maybe others haven't spoken or communicated in many years, but, but decided to use your program to reach out and reconnect?
1: Well, I have heard anecdotally from neighbors who had heard about what we were doing, and then they chose to have their kids and family members send notes to their circle. And, you know, that's the idea. It doesn't have to be a letter to this specific community center for it to be meaningful. This is about the general act of kindness and really non-reciprocated. So it's one way, right? You're sending the love. You're not expecting anything in return.
0: Describe for us what the letter writing process looks like in terms of the writer and the recipient. How does someone get involved if they want to write a letter? And how is that delivered? And are there rules or guidelines Does someone read through the messages to make sure they are okay before sending?
1: Well, that's a good question. We don't have a lot of rules, we instead have some guidelines. So I think. You know, we started this in mid-March and it's still going strong, I think, in a much more organic way now. And so the easiest thing is for folks to go to our website and they can click on news and find the love letter post that includes all the information and guidelines. But in essence, we encourage these letters to be legible and handwritten. You don't have to be an artist. Just make a card like you would like to receive and make them detailed and thoughtful and heartfelt. And just understand that this is a one-way letter exchange. So I think no reciprocation is part of the beauty of the act of kindness. So the recipients don't feel obligated or burdened by feeling the need to respond. So if someone is choosing to participate in the formal love letters to the elderly process, then the letters are mailed or dropped off to the North Shore Senior Center And then they take them and deliver them to seniors in the community in their grocery bags and meals that North Shore delivers. But again, I think the important part is making this organic. You know, friends, neighbors, club members, we've heard from so many who are making this practice a part of their weekly or monthly activities at home. And when I give advice to folks like, what do you write? And it might, of course, my teenagers were like, What do you write? I said, pretend like you're talking to your grandparent. So I just would do a stream of consciousness. You know, for example, we had baked cookies the night before, like all of us, way too much baking in quarantine, right? And so I said, you know, gosh, one of the things I loved growing up was coming home from school and the smell of fresh baked cookies. One of my mom's favorite cookies to bake was Alaska junk cookies. And and my favorite cookie is XYZ. Do you like to bake? What is one of your favorite memories as a child? I hope, you know, you have a wonderful day filled with memories of, you know, fresh baked cookies. Stay well, right? Again, it's kind of a stream of consciousness. My goal each time I've written a note is to have that recipient think of something in their past that brought them happiness, brought them joy. You know, I've talked about watching the birds, I've talked about cooking, I've talked about music, I have talked about puzzles, I've talked about family time, and things that I know that an elderly person, if they pause and think, the things that I spoke to my parents about in their latter days before passing, you know, the things that just would make them brighten up, talking about those happy times, right? So just writing a letter to really spark that individual to think about those times.
0: So once the letter is written, how do you get it to the recipient? What's the process for delivery?
1: Well, like many things in life, it depends. If someone is is choosing to work through the North Shore Senior Center, you can drop it off there or you can mail to the North Shore and they have a system for distribution. What we've done for our personal distribution, our church has a, a list of addresses and we just mail them out. We have dropped them off at neighbors' houses just on the porch with no intention of having a face-to-face masked conversation with folks. So again, I think the goal now is to really spark that activity in others, engage folks in writing their own little love letter campaign to to those who are lonely or isolated and in need of, of that human
0: contact. Do they have a choice of selecting a, a particular recipient and then maybe on a daily basis or every other day or on a weekly basis continue to send to that one recipient?
1: Absolutely. I mean, I have chosen to do this weekly. And some weeks I'm sending out seven, like one a day. Others, last week I sent out one, right? It kind of depends on on where my mind is, where my you know my time is taking me, but part of it is therapeutic, I think, for the letter writer as much as as it is a, you know, bright spot in someone's life if they're the recipient.
0: Yeah. So here at home where I am, would I fill out a greeting card, put a message in it, put it in an envelope, address it to the recipient, but then stick that in another envelope to ship that to say North Shore?
1: Yeah. So putting your letter in an envelope and not sealing it And if you're sending more than one letter at a time, leave them all unsealed and unstamped and put them in a larger envelope or box, right? And, you know, we ask people to exercise health aware precautions, you know, keeping clean writing instruments and wearing a mask when you're writing your letter. And then you can mail that packet of letters that doesn't have a name to anyone, right? Assuming you're just sending it off to. The general folks, and that can be sent to the North Shore Senior Center in Baffle, And then they take them out and they would put a name, oh, this goes to Susie Jones. Okay, this goes to Mark Smith with their groceries. That's one way to handle it, right? Or if you're choosing, you know, which one of the things I'm doing, I'm sending them directly to people and I have their addresses. We also have school children who are sending them to families with elderly and just writing, you know, from Susie age six at blank day blank school, right? So they aren't concerned about where somebody got their address, right? So it's just clear. I have your address from the school.
0: Got it. Okay. And I'm sure some of the recipients might be curious. Do you also include a little uh, sample bottle of wine with the card?
1: (laughs) No, we don't. Not a bad idea though. Maybe we should start doing that.
0: How long has Love Letters for Seniors been active? And I know since some of these people mail their letters directly to the recipients or directly to North Shore, do you have an idea of how many letters and cards have been sent during that time period?
1: Very good question. I have no clue. Gosh, we started this in mid-March and it's still going strong, as I said, kind of in a more organic way. I know that around the 1st of May, That North Shore had already received over 500 cards there. So my hope is that this is just spread like wildfire, and that we're not counting because we have no idea how far this has reached. That's my hope. But it doesn't really matter either, as long as people are feeling loved and out of isolation.
0: Yeah. And how are you getting the word out? I'm guessing through tint sellers, you're getting the word out that way, but. You know, are you also promoting this on Facebook or other social channels?
1: Yes, we have chosen to highlight it in our social media, which is, you know, Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. And as I mentioned earlier, the media has been very kind in covering this story and helping us share the information and share the guidelines and really sparked that activity. And I think it just harkens back to all of us are, are looking for ways to make a difference during this challenging time. And I think whether you read about it on you know Facebook or you read about it in a newsletter or a newspaper or online journal or hear about it on a podcast, the hope is that you just, it sparks something in you. It ignites a passion to share some love with, with someone else. So the numbers in the beginning, you know, we were, we were trying to get it started and we're like, how many did you get? You know, okay. You've had two dozen cards. Okay. Let's get this going. And at this point, I think we know that people are taking action and that's what we hoped for.
0: There's a lot of heartache and heartbreak going on right now during this COVID-19 era and the Love Letters for Seniors program that you've started and kicked off and are really growing is fantastic for not just the recipients, because I know that they feel great. It warms their heart to receive the letters, but also I can hear and feel how important and how meaningful it is to be the writer, to get those messages out there. I feel like for many people the importance of those connections, people connections, has risen. And it's something that people are paying a lot more attention to. And Love Letters for Seniors is a great example of that. As the new normal evolves, how do you see you and your family evolving with the new normal? How do you see tent sellers evolving with the new normal? But also, how do you see yourselves and then your program like Love Letters for Seniors affecting that new normal and helping that new normal evolve?
1: Oh, that's a tough one. I think this pandemic has really helped, I think I said this earlier, refocus my sense of purpose and personal code of behavior, I would say, and really that for my family. And the new normal right now is very simple. Help others stay healthy, improve the community, and look after your family and loved ones. I mean, that's it for me. And as a winery, You know, we can't really dismiss the old normal entirely as it's the foundation of what we do. We make and sell wine. However, with our backgrounds in modern businesses challenged with changing competitive landscapes, we're no strangers to adaptation and evolution. And this is another admittedly alarming need for change. So, you know, one of the things that we've had to do and chosen to do is keep up to minute in terms of the health and regulatory landscape and how COVID is evolving so that we move at a moment's notice to keep our employees apprised and our employees and customers safe. And we've worked really hard to provide what our customers have come to expect from us as a premium Washington winery, adjusting to meet the new normal almost, as I said, on a daily basis. But we've just not missed a beat When it comes to supporting our nonprofit partners, even though this evolving new normal has presented challenges all around and has significantly impacted their ability to raise funds and support from their traditional sources, we have worked hard to make sure that our contributions have been minimally impacted and will continue to do so to support such fantastic organizations whose services are more critical than ever. So I think As we, as a business, evolve into the new normal, what we're trying to do is adapt to whatever those health-related regulations and guidelines are so that we are keeping our employees and customers safe. But at the same time, we're holding steady to our quote-unquote old normal of making wine and selling it to support our nonprofit partners. We know that the new normal for them is shattering, right? It's, it's really uprooting them. And so if we can evolve with the changing times, but provide that consistent source of support and income, then we're doing the right thing. And then, you know, your, your question about do our actions and our programs and initiatives like the love letters really advise the new normal, I can only hope and pray that it does. I can only hope that this pandemic shakes us enough to start thinking a bit more about other people. I don't know about you, but you know, at times I think we are pretty self-centered here in the Pacific Northwest, and it would be lovely if this COVID shocked us into thinking about one another more passionately and caring for one another in the new normal. You know, we work hard, we work fast. And I think, as I said, the pandemic has really helped refocus my personal code of behavior. It's about helping others. It's about improving the community and looking after your family and your loved ones. And of course, staying healthy, right? We all need to stay healthy. So we don't really want to wake up call that includes a pandemic, but you know, let's hope that this does spark or ignite a passion for caring for one another, if nothing else.
0: Right. And in promoting that, I'm guessing that you will continue Love Letters for Seniors for quite a while. Do you have plans for expansion or trying to get it out to even more people? Do you have other programs on the horizon that you might be introducing soon?
1: Well, we're always coming up with new ideas. So I think our next area of focus is actually a food drive to help replenish the food banks across the state that are serviced by Northwest Harvest. So that's our next area of focus. But, you know, when we start something, we, tr- we try to continue it letters for the elderly. We really want to continue to support that and encourage folks to participate and encourage members of our community to really embrace those who are isolated during this time.
0: For such an amazing cause, for folks who want to get involved, how can they step up and start writing cards and letters? How can they reach out to you to learn what they can do?
1: Well, we encourage everyone to get creative and write a letter. And I think the easiest thing is to pop on our website, tintsellers.com and under news and events, our love letters post includes all of the information. In addition to writing a letter to those who are isolated, we would love to encourage your listeners to buy a bottle of Sellers wine because every bottle makes a difference in the lives of those in need in our community. And if you love the wine, join the Tint Sellers Wine Club, Bruce. And club members, of course, receive excellent perks. Plus, every bottle purchased by a wine club member, 10% is donated to local charities. And then we would just love to have people follow us on social media at Tint Sellers and try us out. And we engage our community in our philanthropic efforts. And as we noted earlier, we make some award-winning wines. So what's not to love about that?
0: Absolutely. Well, Teresa, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Thank you for all of the support and everything you do for the communities for bringing beautiful wine to the communities, but then also, more importantly, for bringing heartfelt love letters to the elderly.
1: Thanks for having me today, Bruce.
0: It's important during these uncertain times that we do what we can to help light the path through the darkness. I'm your host, Bruce Bracken. For luminaries in the dark, stay safe, stay healthy.